Hi, my name is Susan. I've been arrested 32 times just for listening to people talk with each other. The problem was I used to hide in the bushes outside the windows of people's homes to enjoy listening to strangers talk to each other. It's just something I like to do. I get bored and lonely sometimes, you know. Hey, Susan, don't do all that. There's another way to enjoy random conversations? Now, thanks to the podcast show, I can enjoy listening to conversations with strangers and learn something new every week. No more listening outside the window just to enjoy a good conversation. Tune in weekly on Wednesdays and subscribe for updates on your favorite platform to the Toddcast show and help our podcast family continue to grow and share around the world. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Toddcast show. My name is Todd Mira, your host, and I'm so excited to be here with all of you. The Toddcast show is dedicated to exploring the human condition through conversation with strangers. We explore the positive, interesting, and oftentimes shocking side of human nature. In each episode of the Toddcast show, I talk with strangers in a down-to-earth, old-school, and heartfelt way about their life. Nothing is ever scripted, everything is spontaneous, positive, and we never discuss politics. You won't know what to expect next. Join in the conversation to laugh, love, learn, and grow with others around the planet. Who will I call next? Tune in to find out every Wednesday at midnight Pacific or for playback anytime on your favorite podcast listening platform. And stay connected with us at ToddCastShow.com. Thank you for joining us for a special episode of the Toddcast Show. A couple of things that make this special today is we're joined by Vinny Potestivo. For the second time, he's our first guest I've ever had on the show for a second interview, and I'm really glad to have him back. How are you, Vinny? I'm great, buddy. How are you? Thanks for having me back. Cool. Um, cool to start a trend. I like that. Totally, dude. Totally. <laughs> and uh, you have a lot to say. And I remember when we were speaking together, and I always go through and listen to the podcasts that are recorded, and I write my own little notes and put them in the website and you know, on the site you know, the sites where podcasts propagate and all that. And I was thinking, man, said, Vinny's got a lot more to share. I'd really like to hit him up again for a dialogue. But this time it's kind of a special thing and a little bit different. And uh, I wanted to talk today about sexuality and um, being a straight man myself and uh, you being a gay man yourself. Uh, I thought it'd be very interesting for us to kind of come together and learn from each other and share a little bit of our world so people can learn, you know, how that is and not have a sense of uh, fear, apprehension, or any kind of disgust, you know, because both representations are quite beautiful in their own regard. It represents love between human beings, but I think people have become separated in their viewpoints and things in a way, and I'd like to kind of you know, heal that divide a little bit today together if we can. So I was hoping that we could kind of go down that road. Does that sound good? Yeah, that sounds awesome. I always appreciate the opportunity for a conversation before it is imperative to have said conversation. So <laughs> anytime we can get ahead of the curve or not, not to say that we're ahead of anything right now, to be honest, but anytime we can really, you know, come together and not feel the pressure of, of, of the immediacy 
and the reality of uh, like what's happening around us, but to, to create space, to create grace, to learn, exactly. to share, and to, yes. to, to define and redefine possibilities, capabilities between you know, many different types of parties that uh, this conversation will uh, fracture. You know, sexuality is something that um, comes up at, in home and it comes up in the workplace and it comes up at church and it comes up, you know, as a client and it comes up as an employer and an employee and it comes up in a really unique place, you know, all throughout the world. So I really appreciate the, um, the drive to want to have this conversation. Yeah, yeah. And I'll be honest with you, man. Part of my... Um... You know, part of my desire to do this is that I have a gay brother and we are estranged. And um, until we became estranged, I always idolized him and just thought he was the greatest thing ever. You know, he's 14 years older and, you know, a, a very successful man. And, you know, he's done some really cool things in his life. He's funny as hell. Like mm -hmm. even today, despite our differences, I'd love to just sit and laugh with him, you know, because I really miss that part of him. And, you know, it's really a shame because I think for whatever the reason, even though I really accepted him and I never even thought twice about him being gay, it didn't bother me at all. Um, I think he's always had something in him that kind of kept us separate. I'm not really sure what that was, you know, but so this is kind of my opportunity to explore, you know, where I didn't get the opportunity with my brother. So I appreciate oh, you being open to that. That's kind of my desire in yeah. having this conversation. Well, timing, timing will certainly change, you know, this conversation. If you, if you imagine if you were, you and your brother were sharing a bedroom growing up, you know, in the eighties, nineties, seventies, the conversation would be very different than the one we're about to have in 2022, 2023, yeah. because of, of, of what's out, what, what, what's possible out there, uh, for sure. Uh, and I know that my experience, um, as a gay man in the nineties is very similar to my experience in the eighties, to be honest, but radically different than mm -hmm. what I experienced in, uh, 2015 and, and 2022 and 2012 and 2022, uh, 20, 2002 was an interesting time. Uh, the, the time of change where, where a lot of words and ideologies and possibilities were being introduced to the lexicon that I hadn't even deemed possible um but i imagine you know before the internet and before, before our ability to meet people in safe spaces where where we can safely meet people like i'm talking about like our physical health was not in jeopardy by meeting somebody online for mm -hmm. example in the 90s i loved meeting people online i've used totally. i've used internet to meet people since day one, I met my boyfriend now of over 11 years online. I met some of my best friends online. I've certainly met stars and celebrities. And so can I ask you a crazy online. question? Do you think yeah. that being gay has anything to do with the types of people that you met? I mean, I might sound like a stupid question, but I'm just wondering, like, is that an attractor for other gay people? Is it like a secret club or like, <laughs> is it, you know, because that's the other thing that's really wonderful, I think, about gay people is that they just get along so well. And I mean, I've never seen them really fight too much. And when they do, it's rather entertaining. But, um, you know, my experience has always been that, man, gay people have got like their shit together, you know? And so how do they connect? You know, like, how does that work? Let me say it this way. Because uh, we have to. Um, uh, we became... And I'm going to use we in a really broad sense, and I'm going to really sure. overgeneralize here, and I don't mean to, but I would say, let me say this. I, as a gay man, learned to befriend people in a very unique way because I knew 
that there's parts of me that I can introduce at certain times, certain points in our relationship that would get us to a certain point in our friendship. And then there was a point where um, the decisions and choices and words that I've, and energies and actions that I've allowed to, myself to take and to allow in my life, you know, are, are seen differently by people with different religious backgrounds or, or um, family backgrounds. So, Do you believe um, in God? Yeah, I grew up, I, I grew up uh, as a Baptist, and then my parents divorced, and um, uh, we became Christian, uh, Lutheran Christian, and I still actually go to church. Cool, man. Uh, I believe in God. I, I go to a non-denominational church that, you know, I'm allowed to get married in. Um, yeah. That, you know, I had no problem, you know... I, I, <laughs> it's not just for Unitarians anymore, is it? <laughs> I, I went through my Unitarian phase when uh, when I was in college for a minute there, too. Mm -hmm. Just trying to find, you know, I, I think in your 20s, for me in my 20s, it's all about acceptance. It's about being accepted. You know, I think there's this herd, you know, if you, some people will look back at you know, mankind over the thousands of years and, and they'll say, that part of the reason why we try so hard to fit in is because if you don't fit in, if you're not part of the pack, you're out of it. And if you're out of the pack, you're going to get eaten or killed or frozen to death. Or if you're not supported by the community and in the community and doing what the community wants, it's, it's a real survival skill. Um, but why is there a community for gay people and not for straight people? Well, I think there's communities for both. And all okay. in between, okay. to be honest. I think that the predominant community and education and c copy and context and writing and stories um, are certainly come from um, a heterosexual community that um, uh, bias, unconscious bias, whether that's, you know, for the better or for the worse, it exists. And, um, you know, when the majority, when the <laughs> The majority is an interesting. <laughs> the majority is an interesting number. The majority. Um, I, I go back. I'm just going back to this comment about 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 you know, gays being predominantly friendly, and you know, we really, I really had to. It was really easy to get picked on as a kid. And if I didn't try to make people like me, and if I didn't try to be friends with every single type of group of people, and that was just my ego trying to find a way to fit in. But weren't um, you like a funny guy that like told jokes and made people laugh and all the girls loved? Like, I mean, is that my how expense. it works for gay people? At, at my expense, it would be oh, ha ha ha, because Vinny's gay, or ha, like it really? would be in, in high 80s? school. In high school, for sure, yeah. Because otherwise, because I'm six foot three, so I have some presence in the room. Um, I don't even want to defend why people didn't fight me because of my size, because there's yeah. no there's no excuse for for physical you know violence. Of course, um, I'm a fast runner too, and I also <laughs> I have to be honest. I I worked really. Hard. I bit my tongue. I I I worked I know, hard to man. make people like me because it was really it's really easy to be you know um, a target. And look. The, the times where, where, where gay people, men, women, trans, where, where any part of our community stands up and is violent, um, it's either turned into a riot, which is in a good way what gave us the Stonewall Riots, which is you know a group of queer people coming together to fight for our rights and the fact that we were queer, it made What's the that? news. Do you mind telling that story? I've never heard of that. Of the Stonewall Riots? 
No, man. What is that? Oh yeah. Um, so Stonewall is a is a bar, is a well is a bar in New York, and okay. um, at a point in time where it was, um, I, I don't know how it was, but it was at a point in time where it was illegal for same sex. I don't know what part of it. I don't know. Actually, I don't even know if any part of it was illegal. But the cops came down. The cops would find reasons to close socially down. Socially unacceptable. Yeah, they would find or... they would find reasons to close socially mm-hmm. uh, socially unaccepted venues. They would remove their liquor license. They would say things were happening. You know, they would they would abuse. They would physically abuse, wow. if not shoot and kill and murder, the people who were there because of the violent situation that. To be honest, this was York, in the 80s, York, man? Was in the 70s? I think late 70s, 60s, early oh, 70s. 60s, 70s sounds possible. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Um, I just want to frame it right. Yeah, yeah. This is, and this is, this is when, you know, uh, uh, I say, you, you know, and obviously we, as we're talking about this, it becomes very clear that, you know, like there's, there's certain things that I know about mile markers in our community. Um, yeah, Stonewall, oh. Stonewall was a big moment. It put our fight on, the front page of press and it became something that people were able to talk about and share and grow from in a way that hadn't. And it's also um, in Stonewall where Marsha P. Johnson, who is um, uh, one of the black trans people who've really helped uh, uh, move and expand gay rights. And it's, it's in her participation you know to be honest there's a lot of people that were there a certain photo got picked and and, and Marsha became the face and, and unfortunately and fortunately so n- n- that face of one of our core uh, muscles strength in our community was a black trans person who who again you know defied what media wanted and sort of went against the norm and it, it allowed us to uh, to have presence and identify. And this is, I think, in the, this is where the beginning, the coalition between uh, uh, bl- uh, what, what becomes the BIPOC community in America, what becomes the LGBTQ plus community in America, this is where that relationship really gets embedded. It's the late 60s, for sure. It's the late 60s. 69, I know for a fact, was Stonewall. Hmm. But so wasn't it like free love? It wasn't really gay, straight? For everyone, yeah. Well, it was free love. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to. I want to be careful about throwing out opinions, but I mean, it was free love if you were straight, and it mm. sounded like to me, from my understanding, as it was okay if there was a couple of uh, homosexual moments in there. But for the heterosexual experience, it wasn't necessarily free love for uh, the LGBTQ community. I, I think that from that messaging of free love and community came what what Reagan turned into fearmongering of AIDS. Mm-hmm. And a, um, a repercussion of live, let live, and love, and free love, and and that that's you know, I mean, obviously, it, I'm talking about a 14, 15 year difference. I'm jumping time. Yeah, here. yeah, that's okay. Um, but I'm I'm born in '77, so like for context of this conversation, wow. you know, I'm born into a world where where I'm told that I have to make a decision whether I want to have a family or not, because. Wow. Gay marriage was not a thing, and and not that there is even a thing called gay marriage, but that marriage now can consist of a gay duo, and and it's really cool timing to have this conversation considering the bill that was just passed and mm-hmm. and, and was about to be written into permanency here in America um, is that we all matter, 
and and that we're all seen and that we want to be seen for our differences. You know, I want people to see me now. Sure. Um, as a gay man, I changed the spelling of my name in the '90s from Vinny huh. with a Y to Vinny with an I E, as a nod to my brothers and sisters who might see I E at the end of a male name and know that I E in Latin and French and Italian is feminine, and there's a juxtaposition of a guy uh, having an IE. So see, I, that, that's where I, I have to laugh, because that's totally <laughs> a gay thing. Like, you're so smart to even know that, you know? <laughs> well, I'm looking, here I am looking, I'm signaling. I'm looking to signal. I'm saying, that's cool, man. hey, wink, wink, nod, nod, you don't got to know anything other than to know the fact that I, I'm am a member of this community. I'm not even asking you to be a part of it. I'm not even asking to be understood. I'm just literally asking to be seen and that I exist. In fact, mm-hmm. part of my struggle was wanting to be understood. And I think, yeah. you know, you realize too late in life that like no one really ever understands you. And by the time they do, you change. And like, it's about the message. I don't need well, you to understand. you're very articulate. There's doing. no question that you articulate really, really, really well. Your mind and your heart seem one with your mouth, you know? And like when you speak, you are very consistent, you know, and I noticed that a lot about gay people that I've met, you know, it's like they're so articulate and just wonderful people to have in a room, you know, because they well, always we live, lighten it up. We live in our truth, and I refuse to live in a different version of that. So mm-hmm. where some people may make themselves smaller or may curb certain mannerisms or things like that, there's a point, especially now, where, I mean, so so as I get into podcasting and as I try to you know, become more in front of the camera and make more impact. Um, uh, I'm aware of my voice. I'm aware of my voice in a way that I haven't been aware of my voice in years. You know, I got into casting in the 90s when I would interview a celebrity or a talent, an actor, whoever it is, a person, I would remove my voice. So I was very comfortable removing my voice from conversations because I felt like my voice would give give away my sexuality and there's an uh, by the way there's an awesome movie um called do i sound gay it's an <laughs> it's a brilliant documentary if you haven't right seen this yet and it even goes into like how how certain voiceover and actors and even even some of the animated characters that we've seen um how there's there's uh, i don't know how to say this but there's there's gay overtones um uh uh Whole, you know, believing in every word that I say is so important mm-hmm. that my vowels are big and my consonants are finite. Mm-hmm. That every word that I think this this is actually built into some of the psychoses and how gay people communicated audibly. So there was an audio signal behind. You know, we were saying every word that we say matters. Every syllable. That we say matters. Uh, Jeremy Irons goes through as a this protection story. mechanism, as as a um, as an offensive mechanism. Okay, no, it's yeah, we're not from we're not defensive. Discovered. Yeah, we're not being defensive here. We're offending it. We're we're owning it. Right. We're living in the ownership now. Defending it is almost would be minimal. Would be minimizing it. And, um, mm-hmm. uh, but at know, one you, time, that's how it was. You, oh, you sure. wanted to hide it, right? Like, oh, I mean, yeah, at yeah. some points, I'm sure it would be dangerous in certain situations. You know, there are people who are angry and inappropriate and they like violence, you know, and sometimes they direct it at people that are different. 
Oh yeah, or you don't even. I mean, in New York, you don't even need to be angry or violent. <laughs> to, to hit violence, you just hit the wrong. You know. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I learned. You know, for me, I loved casting um, because mm -hmm. it wasn't my voice. I didn't feel. Also, I worked at MTV in the '90s. Um, I don't know how to say this, but like, you know, like uh, this is in the 90s, Michael Jackson, they weren't allowed to play Michael Jackson during the day because of, of the what the color of his skin and the advertisers that were on that network until major Come on, change really? Happened. Was it yeah, really like that? Because I remember seeing that his videos over and over, man. I was one of at the a certain, first people within At TV. a certain time of day, past 10 p.m., uh, Okay. And there was a certain point in time, yeah. And and again, this is this is this. What I want to point out here is like, I'm accepted. I, you know, I, I I hear like in the late '90s, oh, no one's gonna kick you out of the room, Vinny. Everyone loves you. I know, I know they love me. That's the problem. The problem is that they love me, but I can't be me because if I start talking about you know the way that I'm dating, or if I'm you know, it's it, most of the people in this room don't understand, don't relate. We're, we're in, at that point at MTV, to be really honest, the executives, if they had children, their children were pretty young. Most of the people at MTV were career lifers, and they put their sort of career on hold for a couple of years to mm -hmm. get situated in this industry. MTV was relatively new, you know, still under 20 years when I got there. So there were people who dedicated their lives to getting that platform up, who then started their, their building their, their families. Mm. Um, I was pulled aside, to be really honest, from an on-air talent who um, chose not to talk about their sexuality um, while they were on air because we were a publicly traded media platform. Viacom was looking to get sold to CBS, and they didn't to, want you to talk about it. Right? No, it was it was it, not to say he didn't not to say they didn't he didn't want me to talk about it, but it was like don't don't walk into the rooms sharing what you want to share because it's not going to land. Wow. It's not going to be received. And um, Gosh, that's I weird, wish that man. was bad advice, to be honest. But I learned mm -hmm. I learned to separate myself from my work a little bit. I needed that separation. I'm glad I have that separation now because there's almost no separation of like work-life balance. There's no mm -hmm. separation, but I can separate myself from my work. So work-life balance, it's all mushy-mushy. I'm the same person everywhere. But I can separate myself from my work. That allows me to work with people who don't have the same opinions of me, don't have the same experiences as me. And, and those are the people, and it's their audiences that I know I can change, that I can impact, that I actually mm -hmm. have a shot at making this world better by speaking mm -hmm. their language. So the last thing I'm going to do mm. is strictly lean into vernacular or an audience that, that, that caters yeah. to what I already know. What I'm trying to do is open up, expand this conversation. And to do so, I have to use other people's words other people phrases, other people stories, you know, to get there. People relate. And when you put things in their perspective where they can see themselves, people relate deeper. I think that's a good idea. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so let but me you know, ask like, you. You know Sorry, what it was like getting out of college and like you get out of college and you have a degree and everyone's like, well, now you have a degree in marketing. So you're going to be in marketing. And you're like, <laughs> by the Dude. way, most people don't. <laughs> most people go into sales. They go the opposite. You know, they study something and they, they end up facilitating. They use what they like most about that topic and then they bring it into their career field. That's where they make that impact. That's another weird thing. Um, this wasn't what I was just going to say, but you just oh. made me think of it. This always perplexed me about my gay brother. Um, he graduated Yale with a degree in architecture 
He's listed in like the most amazing people book. There's a book that I remember we had and his name is in it. Like, you know, whatever. Yeah. Something like that. And, uh, you know, he ended up being, um, last I heard he was, uh, before he retired, he was the, uh, vice president of, uh, Mexico for Levi Strauss. And he was actually the one that they sent down to South America to open up the markets and, start the factories and stuff. I oh, mean, wow. he's a brilliant guy, like a one man army army, apparently. <clears throat> but I always thought, you know, man, architecture. And then he started in the mailroom and then became an executive. How in the heck did he pull that off? You know, yeah, I right. never got the answer, you know, <laughs> I just, you know, and that's one of the magical things that in my mind have always existed about gay people is they're just naturally successful. You can't help but be successful if you're gay. Is you're that funny. a stupid thing to think or what? Well, you know what? You can't, you can't help but be successful when you're constantly asking yourself, are you your most honest, authentic self? Are you operating the best possible way? Are you showing up the best possible way that you can? And I think as a gay man, I've been asking myself that since a kid, maybe where some people don't ask themselves that question because they're, well, also time is different. So I don't know if children grow up with these preconceived notions. And obviously uh, the gentrification that I was you know, a part of and, 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 and genderizing uh, society for me was very different than what you look at you know, now in 2022, 2023, you look at some of the biggest, you know, uh, uh, hip hop artists and they've got, you know, pearl necklaces on and makeup on and maybe even skirts or dresses, things that, you know, growing up, I wish, you know, to be honest, it was Boy George and Duran Duran. Yeah, those are the people I'm thinking about. Like, I don't remember any hip hop like that, man. No, that was, but now Bad Bunny, now like the biggest stars now. And and it's really cool. so cool. I got to be honest. It's really cool to, first off, that majority of the people now on this planet understand the difference between gender and sexuality that, mm-hmm. you know, uh, we were born a certain way. We identify a certain way. And who, who, who are you? And, and those are facts. And, and uh, as we expand this conversation and, and, and start to understand how our sexuality impacts our community and how our gender impacts our community, how those roles change. It will, you know, forever change us, how how we interact with each other. For me, it's about listening. It's about understanding. I got into reality TV and I loved the Osbournes. I loved working on the newlyweds and and the Laguna Beach and the shows that I got to work on because it showed people a version of life that no one would even ever believe existed. Totally. Housewives of New Jersey. I watched all you know, those shows. Sorry, I know like, what you mean, I was so lucky to get to cast that show. Um, and show people, you know, not just like what five different women from different backgrounds can do, but specifically a couple of them from the same family. Like this is, <laughs> yeah, this is a Staten Island story, a New Jersey, a North New Jersey story that I I've lived my life. So I'm so happy I was able to translate that. I didn't know Teresa was going to do what she did, by the way. Just <laughs> full disclosure. <laughs> but it's cool to even think of how how gay characters have been brought into the Housewife franchise even now. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, that uh, that the Manzos had um, a best the boy the uh, Albie and Chris had a, had a, had a best friend um, who who is gay and identified and was on camera and um, when when uh, Housewives of Beverly Hills came out Lisa Vanderpump's like st- storyline like the person she now it's her and her husband we always see but before then it was sort of her gay best friend and um, this idea of 
of the gay best friend being, you know, a role, to be really honest, up until the uh, Julia Roberts movie, you know, My Best Friend's Wedding, I really don't think that gay best friends had that that role, that they didn't nail that type, that that job down until that movie came out, if you ask me. That was the movie that positioned us all as like, we got to be there when you get, you know, wardrobe and we got to be there for all the moments. And I'm the guy who's like, like, call me when you want me to wire your 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 TV together or like I'm really good at like Wi-Fi signals, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I know how to source great designers and I I've always worked with people who have an eye um because I know I have an imagination. So hey, I can uh, match it with someone who totally off subject, <laughs> but um two things have been floating around in my mind for about five minutes. Um yeah. my two favorite gay movies that I that I know yes. actually and have seen multiple times. Tu Wong Fu, thanks for everything. Oh, and yes. but I'm a cheerleader. Oh yeah. I love that movie. That was I saw that movie for the first time with my mom and my gay brother and his husband. That's fine. Too long. And it was great because like the blonde to me is like delicious and cute and all that, but like it was a really interesting story and it really shed a lot of light on things. I think I've always learned like when I got to go to my brother's house in San Francisco for Christmas, like every time I would learn something new, you know, about him or the gay lifestyle or something i would always pick up something um and and one day uh he was gone and i was in his house Mm -hmm. (laughs) and i was looking through his bookshelves and he's got a lot of books man he's a reader i guess and he's got books everywhere and one of them was a gay dictionary and i was like wow there's a gay dictionary how cool (laughs) so i cracked it open sat down on the couch and was like I reading fail. the gay dictionary. So I, I would learned, fail at that test. I know I would. Dude, it was so funny, man. <laughs> like I, I picked up a couple of terms. One is uh, what? What is a Dairy Queen? That is a gay milkman. All right, that's one. Are you sure and this was a joke book you were reading? I am positive it was like a dictionary, but with all gay words. I like things. it. I can see it. Other things I can't recall that, or at least I shouldn't recall in this conversation, but (laughs) there's some pretty disgusting, disturbing things in there, but uh, they've got words for everything, let me tell you. (laughs) Yeah, well, you know what? With community comes culture, and with culture comes vocabulary. Yeah, it's fascinating, really. It's like rap. And it's even fun when these words get in the public lexicon, you know, that, that, you know, look, um, also, I have to point out the power in words. Um, for a long time, words were used against us, titles and names. So if, if we as a community can come up with a word that's empowering and fun and it adds to a conversation, yeah. like, trust me, I don't know. I, I've always thought that like, like slay and like some of the fun words that like, you know, kill, like, I don't know. I don't even know how to say I'm so yeah. proud of like this game. Um, if, if there was a, g- a game called like uh, the gay card and you had three gay cards and you, every time you got something wrong that you were supposed to know as a gay, you yeah. it, I would lose quickly, by the way. Oh, but that again, sounds I, like I was, a fun game. Very, <laughs> there's, there's a really cool, yeah, there's, there's a couple of uh, uh, culture-based games like that that are out there, by the way. So oh, I've, really? I've cool, seen something out there. But, you know, I watched, I grew up in, in the 90s watching TV. Um, Jim Carrey. Uh, Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. No, he's not gay. But if you look at that movie, that movie, the the penultimate moment in that movie is when he realizes a a football player is a trans person, and he throws up, and it's comedic, and it's over the top, and it's funny, and it's it's how trans people were introduced to, to me. 
in media. Um, it took a little bit of deprogramming and reprogramming. So when we have the opportunity for words like this, what I, I, ha I feel bad because I have not yet fully sat down to watch a full season of RuPaul's Drag Race. Um, I think like many people, I thought, oh, I might not be interested in it because I just don't like makeover shows, let alone, uh, I don't know. Uh, I, <laughs> Do you want to know? I thought it was a talent show. I thought they were going to make me be like the judge at home. And I get sensitive about that because I'm like, talent judge at work i'm like don't you know it's like when i watch american idol like who do you want to win and i'm like yeah. i don't care paula abdul pick who you want because i'm just i just want to be in the audience i have a very unique you know, dude uh, from a straight perspective the rupaul's drag race the reason that i never wanted to watch it is because it was too in your face and like too it, it seemed like too much of a gimmick and it's something i couldn't take seriously that that was my perspective on it and now what now I'm curious because me and you are both in the same situation where probably we haven't sat down ever to watch a full episode. But I, mm -mm. I, I agree with you. I thought I thought so too. I was like, oh man, it's a little gimmicky, and are people going to get? Are they going to get to see past it? I, I know they did mm -hmm. because of what I read. So I, I'm like one of those people where I might not watch the movie, but I'll see the trailer enough, and I'll right. read enough support content to understand, you know, what what's really great about this. Um, I also am lucky to get to known the people who created that show and i've worked with them very closely and i've known um many people from new york who've been successful on that show and have won and gone on to be faces you know of the trans community um i know the power that that brings yeah. i was shook at the at when they describe who's in the audience and you i know, remember you... when that show served um on a on a queer identified network to a queer identified audience and when it took the hop to VH1 in front of a larger audience. It really made a big difference. It made a big, so much so that it's won the Emmy since it came out, it's won the Emmy. I think last wow. year is the first time that it, it actually didn't, but it's just a, such a long time coming, that project. And um, it's about the space, you know, and as the space grows, we're gonna wanna find ways to be more and more inclusive. And I feel like the gay community um, was not one to put boundaries around us to say who we are, but to say how we are and who we are. But it it's was about never, freedom, right? It's about yeah, freedom. Yeah, you know, like we, we kind of use that plus symbol in there and it was like, you know, we can be, we're all, we're all together. <laughs> we'll be very clear. We're, we do, I, I remember reading something and, and it said like, you know, we're not asking for gay marriage. We're asking for marriage. And I was like, oh yeah, I like that idea. I like that. Um, I like that's that. I like that part. I like that. I want. I feel, I want to feel different. I am different, but I also want to feel like I have the same rights as everyone else, you know, around that's me. That's what it comes down to, man. It's like having the same rights. I, I if totally you want family, agree with that. that's the thing Absolutely. now. And now I can seem to be really honest. And I'm 45. And I bring my age up just because, not because I think I'm old or young, but just for uh -huh. for, for relevance Experience. of perspective. You know what I mean? Sure. As a 45 year old now. I just gulped. But now I believe that that maybe if I were to have a family, maybe the courts or someone isn't going to come in and right. take, take it away from me or deconstruct it. I'm terrified of that. Wow. Uh, really? And now, so now that has been plagued by this fear. Oh, I probably would have had a family earlier in my career with a woman uh, or a man. No, with a man and adopting children. Or yeah. surrogate. Or surrogate. Oh, yeah. If, 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 if those were options in 1998, 1999, 2000, like in my 20s. And, or, wow. Or, yeah, I would have. Um, I thought yeah, that was an option. I had, to make, I had to make a decision. No, not until wow. 2008. Amazing. 
So I had to make that decision. I had to make that decision whether or not I wanted to commit to uh, a life of honesty with myself or if I wanted to, um, you know, put that aside. And I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. But I I don't know. I, I didn't. I didn't let it stop me. I didn't let it prohibit me from falling in love or having any of the relationships that I, you know, that I had. But I, I, um, let me say it this way. I wasn't dating in my twenties. Mm-hmm. So like I didn't date in my twenties. I just Were was you married up? to work. No, 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 no. I didn't want any part of any relationship to hold me back from being successful at work. Cause I, wow. I was too good. I felt too good at work and I felt like, if I was to mess it up in any way, I didn't want to mess it up. I I was in flow for too long. For years, I was in flow. Really? And the people I was casting and the the projects that were coming through our our department were becoming life-changing, world-changing, you know, uh, genre-changing projects. Uh, I believed that it was my time to um, be a steward to other people, to um, build relationships with people. You know what I started doing on MTV in, 20, in 2002 to 2007 when I'm not dating and I'm not actively out there being social? I start looking for ways to show up where I don't show up. So, for example, when it's time to cast the host for the challenge, it was a re- conversation between TJ Lavin and I about my sexuality that that you know solidified our friendship. And when I realized I had the opportunity to bring in an athlete to host the challenge on MTV because of what they stood for, for physical and emotional challenges, mm-hmm. who better than an athlete that I felt like would have my back when I'm not in the room talking about me and my lifestyle and my rights and the things that, you know, that should be, you know, normal for me that should, I hate to use the word normal, but that should be, um, uh, provided <laughs> to me um, and that weren't because of my sexuality, um, that was someone that I can get behind. And I fought so hard for him. He made it very clear. And, and, and the production company, Buna Murray, says he was not the number one choice. There were a couple of other people before him. Um, but I was the only talent executive from MTV assigned to the project. So, I mean, I had some weight, but ultimately the network really could. I mean, the the product, it's Buna Murray. It's Jonathan, you know, it's like the, the, the godfathers, the, the creators of the real world. And like you trust you trust them to do their job. But I really felt yeah. I was hell-bent on, on it being TJ and not, and not somebody else. And the other person is a great athlete and they would have been great. Um, and don't get me wrong, they probably also would have supported me and been there for me as well. I just know that TJ was going to do it because he already did. Mm-hmm. We already had that conversation. Like we had the hard conversation. We had this conversation at a point in time when we didn't need to have it. And that that made me feel seen and heard. It made me want him to be the guy to get seen and heard if someone's gonna have to be in that spot to tell people sure. challengers, you know. And, and um and and he that's was an advocate, I, an ally. That's where I start. That's really it. That's really where I start looking for advocates and allies at that point in time. Um <laughs> Mandy Moore, Beyonce. I mean, I can go down the list sure. of people who have shown up for us and have, you know, helped change legislature and laws. Well, and they're not stupid. They know that you're the most creative. We need you. <laughs> <laughs> they, she may. I tell you what, Mandy Moore makes me look as uh, makes me look as as great as hopefully I, I helped her try to <laughs> look and you know in her early part of her career. But it's uh, there's trust, you know, and and again, I think that. Because of our sexuality, we're we're asked 
to, we ask ourselves questions that maybe some people aren't, maybe now you ask yourself these questions because of camera. How do I show up? How do I sound? How do I make people feel in the room? What do people say after they leave me? Maybe now there's more of an awareness of that because of social media, but growing for me and you, we didn't walk around this planet saying, what does everyone think about me? We walked around right. this planet being like, no one knows me. Mm-hmm. I don't know anybody. And I don't yeah. know what I don't know. Now yeah, yeah. we're like, I know what I don't know. I know, <laughs> I know yeah. who I don't know. I know people who don't know me, who know me. This is mm-hmm. a very different world that we live in. The questions, you know, are different. And, and then just to be honest, I'll, I'll throw this out there and I don't know where this will go, but as a gay man, I'm speaking um, because, you know, the way I'm built, my uh, my stuff is on the my 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 reproductive organs are on the yeah, outside you, of my body. You have an Audi. Yeah, <laughs> as, and I think women have a different experience and a different journey through their sexuality. You know, and it's a, it's a very internal uh, and it, it's a very different approach to you know because because you know because they didn't <laughs> I laugh at this but because they didn't have to pass the sweatpants pants the sweat pa- the sweatpants <laughs> in seventh grade you know like they're yeah dude but that being yeah. said we all have I'm bringing it up because we all have our own journeys and uh, again like, it actually ties into something I wanted to ask you uh, what's it like to fall in love with a man like uh, when I see a woman and she appeals to me it's not always a physical process you know it's a spirit thing sometimes and you know, you just feel something with people. And for me, it's always in the eyes. Like, I really appreciate a nice body, but like, I look into the eyes to see what I want to see. And that seems to be where the magic happens for me as a straight man. And I'm just wondering, like, how does that differ for a gay man going after a person of the same gender? Is it the same thing or is it any different or what? Yeah, it's so funny. Um, yeah, I get butterflies. I think I think it's identical. I get butterflies in my stomach and I get nervous and um, you know, it doesn't matter what sexuality, you know, we are if there's two people in a relationship, there's two sides, two pieces of energy contributing and and and, yeah. and adding and taking into consideration of each other. Um, it you know, I in high school I was in relationships with women. Um, I I think the difference for me why did you do the that? The difference between, um, uh, I didn't really, because st- I didn't really question my sexuality. I didn't know that was like something you question. I just kind of like did what I felt like was right. And wow. I so you didn't about... really know where you were at the time? Like you were just kind of exploring? Was that how? Yeah, there was, there were, <laughs> the, I, was, I say it this way. There were other people in my grade in high school who had more understanding of my sexuality than I did apparently. <laughs> They had words about what I was doing that I didn't even know I was doing. (laughs) Their gaydar Um, was going off when you came in the room. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, um, but uh, it's, for me, for me was, I don't know, the connection was different. Um, But it's like two masculine entities. That's what kind of... Because to me, like the only real turnoff about a gay relationship, like aside from my own personal perspective, that it doesn't feel natural to me, like my penis belongs inside a vagina, you know, and it's like, it just makes sense to me. And where there's a different look where, you know, you can get excited about somebody that's more masculine. For me, it's all about the feminine. And so I just kind of wonder how that, you know, works in terms of the masculine energies coming together because they're two really strong forces, you know? And yeah. 
you know, some people yeah, might I say. I don't mean to be ask a weird question, but like um, the penis and vagina comment. Um, <laughs> but what about like I don't know, penis and hand? Is it oh more, yeah, more yeah, often yeah, yeah. like so and like. The mouth. But but no, but what I mean is like uh, there's like it's just you. Sometimes it's just you doing. You know. What I mean? Oh, like, I see masturbation. What, what's okay. more masculine than than you know? Than, Rubbing one out. <laughs> <laughs> than being by yourself. And uh, by the way, it's really fun. Oh gosh, I, I get like flustered with this conversation, mostly because <laughs> I, was, I was taught wrong. I was taught that when a guy jerks off, that it, it means that he wants to play with himself. He would rather not play with anybody else because everybody else is annoying and they all want him to do different things. And he just wants to play by himself. So like, I just want to be alone and play with my blocks and like play Nintendo <laughs> and go in the woods and jerk off. And I want to like, wow. jerk off in the attic. And But I didn't know that it was a sexual thing. So I always get like tossed when I talk about this topic. That's so funny. So yeah. again, lack of education information at a point in time where information was not readily available. Okay, okay, okay. I got to uh, ask. I didn't, know all the, I didn't know all the places you can put it. I, I gotta know. ask, uh, just because I'm curious, my first experiences with masturbation were due to finding my brother's porno magazines. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I was pretty young. <laughs> and then I found my own magines eventually. But, like, uh, what was funny. it for you? Like, where was the. Oh, gosh. The first I was a late impetus? bloomer. I didn't know. Okay. I was a late bloomer. I didn't. <sighs> I didn't know that. I didn't know that semen and cum were the same thing i thought like it was a part one was part of the other i didn't understand the difference between like penis and dick or some of these other words that we like, i was very confused by i didn't have parents that taught me about the birds and the bees <laughs> yet uh, i'm the guy in the woods playing with the birds and bees so i, I thought see. i knew everything and then i got and then when my parents divorced we moved to a new part of staten island and i was like these kids, they kiss behind the booths and they take their pants down. Like, who does that? You're gonna get mosquitoes. What's wrong? I think I come from a different <laughs> part of town. Like, you're gonna, like, wow. you, don't, you don't do that. You're gonna get like stuff in your toes. You get out of yeah. sand, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it was just my own very practical sort of <laughs> approach to it. But um, there has to have been a place where you were like exploring with women and you're like, this isn't doing it for me. Like, you know, I need something else. Where it was, was the, that moment in your life? Yeah, it was the, I think it, it's the overall emotional, when I look back, it's the overall emotional uh, experience that I had in the relationships. For me, sex Being was, loved and respected. Sex, yeah, like there was, there, there was a, a, a separation in them because, um, well, first off, I wasn't having sex in, I don't, I wasn't having sex in high school. I was being maybe sexual, but I wasn't. I wasn't um, necessarily. Oh, yeah. I hated hard in high school, buddy. It was great. Yeah. That was the best time ever. <laughs> no, the, I'm terrified. You know, I, I got Reagan in my ear saying, "Don't you know, AIDS Don't be is gay. a queer thing, and it's you're gonna get it." And so, like, to be really honest, no, oh, it was I, AIDS. It was very, yeah, very, you know, my whole, everything about my sexual education, I would say in school was all about more so about don't get AIDS, more so to be really blunt, more so than pregnancy, here's how pregnancy happens and here's, here's the, that part of it. But, it was but, more, 
But there's me, two different things. You're talking about death and social norms being two completely different things, like a social norm of relating and then death because of the, the disease. Like, But there weren't so, flyers on my high school wall that said, don't get people pregnant. There uh, were flyers on my high school wall that said, don't have don't sex, get AIDS. don't get AIDS. Yeah. Wow, dude. So do you think that was all a gimmick or was it real or what? I mean, I know a lot of people, my, no. my brother actually had HIV. I think it's very almost. unfortunate. It's very, I don't think it's a gimmick. It's very unfortunate that. No, the, uh, the inception of the disease. Do you think that it was purposeful? No. Okay. No, absolutely not. Just curious. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. Um, Some people theorize that it was uh, yeah, brought about to eradicate. I'm not going to bring community. that energy. I'm not, it wasn't just the gay community that it had the most impact on, but that, that, and, there, and there are other ways that they, if they wanted to be effect, effective, that they could have attacked yeah. us other other than that way. But um, no, I don't. I, I don't even. I'm not to say whether I'm a judge. Who am I to judge what's real or not? First off, I'm a it's not my position to judge at all. Yeah, I'm just but wondering. No, I'm not going to allow that version of um, that level of negativity impact um, what happens next. But I do know that it, it, the messaging was weaponized and that it was absolutely used in media to paint that, that disorder in a very specific way and attach it to a very specific group. So fast forward to 2022, where we now have something called M-pox because the community voted and monkeypox is an inappropriate title and it's not sensitive and there's... That's all I've ever heard. I didn't know. So forgive me, man. No, no. But they're in the process of changing that for that purpose because because it's so closely related to, you know, animals that it, it, it doesn't need to go in that direction. So I think there's... There's, it's, it's unfortunate, but you know, as long as we're learning from them, um, I can't think of another group of minorities, to be honest, in this country that have seen m- more rights and felt, I have to be honest, felt yeah. the acceptance of more rights than the LGBTQ community um, wow. at large. I think when I look at what... Um, uh, the Asian community, the Jewish community, the BIPOC community, the uh, addi- additional genre uh, people. You know, I, I just, I think that, um, but I think our sexuality was something that was in some weird way able to unify co- cultures and communities. It didn't have to do with our geographical background. Um, it had to do, you know, some, some of us actually, you know, buy into the biological background and some of us don't need to understand, you know, how it all works, but. Um, right, right. But the fact that we can be seen as equals, um, the fact that, you know, and, and the conversation is still going on. You know, the, you have in the news right now, you have ultra Christian, ultra religious Christian baking companies that don't want to provide yeah, services so crazy, for. Dude. I remember that. Know? So it's, and it's going to be something that goes on and on. It's tough, by the way. Think about, think about being a liberal, a super liberal podcast editor and refusing to edit someone's podcast because you don't want to hear something, you know, that's so ridiculous. Totally closed minded, man. There's no excuse for that. Some people, some people don't have the, this is, this is, I appreciate you saying that. Um, it's unfortunate. Some people don't have the, I want to say bandwidth or wherewithal or capacity to expand beyond what they believe in. 
I believe in what other people believe in for two reasons. One, I had to. I had no choice. Like my, what I came up with in life didn't work for me. So I had to start believing in what other people believed in when I was a kid. And all that came true. So mm-hmm. that, that I know for a fact is that other, people, other people's beliefs can become mine. <coughs> Excuse me. That also means that my belief can become others. And the more I really truly believe in something and seeing it happen, I know I can make that shift. I did it with TJ Lavin on the challenge and many people, you know, while during my time at MTV and thereafter, and I'm doing it now and podcasting in the way that I'm connecting with business owners and building relationships like this. Yeah. um, Speaking of which, just to ask real quick, is it okay if we go a little long? I actually wanted to bring up another topic and we're... 10 minutes away from the top of the hour. Are you good? Or are you in a rush today? I have a, I do have a three o'clock. Um, okay. No problem sorry. at all. And then um, I have a four o'clock live, um, LinkedIn radio, like live event that I'm doing. If you'd like to tune in. Yeah. 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 I've got another one at three today with the tax guy. Um, but one way or the other, no worries. Um, let's try to keep this within an hour then. Um, yeah. we got about 10 minutes. Oh, I've I'll got three. It. I got three minutes. Okay. Oh, three. Oh shit. Sorry. Okay. Never mind. Um, well, I'll save the topic till next time. Or I wanted to ask about trans people, man, like because uh, that's a big topic, and I think yeah. there's a lot of misunderstanding. Um, you know, uh, let's just take three minutes and talk about that, then I guess, and and wrap up and uh, get you on your way so that you're not late. Uh, tell us a little bit about why trans people have become so popularized in the news and media lately. Is that oh, something yeah. you can speak to? Um, well, uh, first off, there are more trans people now uh, that identify and are coming out and are loud and, and proud about it. So we're seeing more trans people um, because we're seeing more them. We're seeing more uh, trans people. We're also hearing more of their stories. Their stories are resonating more on news. So there's a lot more education that's been out there. Certainly, as laws have passed and come and gone, and rights have come and gone that there's a lot of education out there around this topic. So there's finally some conversations that can happen because the education has happened. Unfortunate that the education happens, you know, when we're removing the rights from people to use, you know, restrooms and things like that, that that they're most comfortable and feel safest in it. But these open up for larger conversations. And also I think there's a, a nationwide conversation about the difference between our sexuality um, in our genders, you know, yes. uh, and, and that, that's a conversation that gets a little murky, to be honest, a lot of it because of education based on how and what we were taught from what book, by the way, I don't know about you, but like me and you probably learn from the same book. And we also probably learn from the same book, our parents or our older mm-hmm. siblings and our family did like there, there wasn't too much new information between like the, those those encyclopedias, because I I was brought up on an encyclopedia downstairs, the same one that my dad and all his brothers and sisters yeah. were brought on. But it, that didn't change since 1914. You now that I grew up, there were words that were not in that. That included internet, by the way, like certain words that I knew existed that didn't exist then. And I think the big conversation now is as we wrap our head around some of the new facts, and we have to accept them as facts, not opinions. As we wrap, as we as we are enlightened by new facts and we understand the severity of our reactions. You know, right now there's a conversation around dispelling the ability to, you know, uh, uh, around trans to choose, you know, a name as uh, to choose a gender, to choose a pronoun, to choose mm-hmm. as if as if we are entitled to opinions and entitled to voice them. Now look, there's the first amendment and we certainly are 
allowed yeah. to, you know, to talk about, you know, and, and voice, you know, our opinions. I think the conversation to be had around the First Amendment is how we use it. Mm-hmm. And that in denying people their existence, what that does to what that does to them to the minimizing voice and to their presence already going through something where we're we're identifying that that there's already been trauma here. Mm-hmm. And I think there's just a, a special way to do it. You know, all that being said, I gotta point out 988. You wanna know the big change in sexuality and the big revolution? 988. It What's is that? the toll-free number for suicide and mental health hotline in America. It oh, really? just got approved. It used to be 911 was the only number that was a three-digit number. But oh. our conversation around mental health has scaled so big in this country. Mm-hmm. And I have to say a, lo- a lot of it is going to be around our genders and our sexuality because our sexuality and our genders are part of our businesses and our sports and our athletes and our politics. It's part of who we are because we're people. We're consistent. We consist. We were created by these ingredients that we're now talking about. And um, now it's just a great time to listen and really understand how you can, you know, add to the conversation in in deeply meaningful ways. And then sometimes when we're not to add, other than just to give an ear and support and know that, you know, people aren't necessarily asking you to approve them or validate them or agree with them or to even um, understand them. But they're just mm-hmm. asking you to acknowledge that they exist. Like yeah. that's, that's the conversation that, that I've been having now. I want to add something here and we'll wrap up because I know you have to go. Um, it sounds like you and me are a lot alike, man. And we're really not very different at all. Yeah, I like that. You know, and that's what I really wanted to see here. And I know that that's true from my own experience, but I like to dig a little deeper. You know, we could talk for a couple more hours easily, but uh, quite frankly, you know, just in this little bit of time, I, I hope this kind of dispels some myths that people have had and helps them kind of see gay people with an open eye and a little more acceptance, you know, and a loving nature, you know, because they're going through stuff just like we are. And, you know, it doesn't matter who you are. It's like we all go through things. So, yeah. And also sometimes people ask me if there's something I can tell myself like back, you know, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, if there's something I can tell myself, what would I say? Um, I would like to change my answer to that. And I would like to say that I would tell myself that in 25 years now, I'm going to actually record a podcast episode where I talk about all the things that make me cringe and make me small and Mm -hmm. all the obstacles and the hardest parts of who I am that I'm trying to overcome that one day all that will be on the flip side and that those, those traumas and, uh, and failures will be my successes and superpowers in the future. And I thank you for this opportunity to talk about this. And yeah, uh, my pleasure. Yeah. We might even get to do it again, man. I I wouldn't doubt it at all. And I really appreciate you being here. Vinny Potestivo, everyone. I'll have a link on the uh, website and the podcast notes. Uh, so you can reach out to Vinny. He's a really great guy. Don't hesitate to reach out to him. He's a lot of fun to talk with. Thanks for being here today, Vinny. Thanks much. Slay. My pleasure, brother. <laughs> Take care now. Bye, bye. Bye. All right, cool. I'll Thanks edit the rest that. later. I'll let you go because you're a couple. Sorry. Of Thank no, you. You're, you're good. That's heart. what you get for being the prom queen. Words of heart to heart. I'm oh, gosh. <laughs> this is fun. This little pot. I'm gonna. So next month, I yeah. This has been fun. This 
If you ever want to have me on your show and like rip me a new one, I'd be totally down for that. Imagine I rip people new ones like my show. (laughs) I'd love it, dude. I want to be uncomfortable. I really want to be uncomfortable, and I'd like to experience that. And uh, you know, so if you're interested in asking some crazy questions, I'd be a good candidate for that. If you ever want to do that, I will think of that. If not my podcast, then maybe um, like some of the social audio stuff that I'm doing lives, or sure, for sure, I'll be mindful of that. That's awesome. Right on, my brother. Thank you, Vinny. You have a great day, man. Thank you. I'll talk to you soon. You bet. Take care. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Toddcast Show. If you found today's episode helpful and meaningful, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on what's next. Remember that the Toddcast Show is all about community and connection. So follow the podcast on your preferred social platform to keep updated on everything I've got in store. Also check out ToddCastShow.com to find out more and stay connected with me, Todd Mira. Be sure to tell your friends and family about the Toddcast Show so the podcast family can continue to grow and share on an international level. See you over on the next episode. Hi, I'm Todd Mira, host of the Toddcast Show, and I want to share something personal with you today. Throughout my own life, I've struggled with issues I didn't even realize I had. Things like depression, past trauma, PTSD, and feeling disconnected from the people I loved the most. It took me hitting rock bottom to realize I couldn't fix myself alone. I needed help to unravel the tangled knots within my life, find myself again, and become stronger in the areas I was weakest. It wasn't an overnight transformation, but with time, I learned to change my thinking, my attitudes, and my entire paradigm for the better. I learned that it's good to ask for help, and that's why I want to tell you about our sponsor, BetterHelp. Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode of the Toddcast Show. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, and the best part, it's 100% online. You can participate from anywhere, anytime that works for you. It's simple to get started. Simply answer a few questions about your specific needs and personal preferences in therapy, and BetterHelp will match you with the perfect therapist from their network. It's really that easy. You can message your therapist anytime you need support and schedule a live session when it's convenient for you. BetterHelp is committed to ensuring that you find the perfect match to guide you along your journey to well-being. As someone who went through therapy and came out way ahead of where I started, I want to invite you to take this step to a healthier, happier you today. My life was transformed through therapy, and yours can be too. With BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality you'd expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is hand-picked for you, all at a shockingly affordable price. And as a special offer for our listeners, you'll get 10% off your first month by using the special link, betterhelp.com forward slash Toddcast. That's betterhelp.com forward slash Toddcast. You don't have to face life's challenges alone. 
BetterHelp is here to support you through the big and small issues of your life in a way that can really make a huge difference, both short and long term. Take the first step towards a healthier, happier you. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash Toddcast to get started today.